Welcome to the Just Fly Performance Podcast, episode 64. Today on the show, I have track coach and inventor, Adarian Barr. Today's episode is brought to you by Simply Faster. Simply Faster is an online athletic performance technology shop distributing items such as the free lap timing system, gym aware, K-Box, 1080 Sprint, and the Speed Mat. I've gotten many of these items from Simply Faster and can confidently say that they make today's best training technology available to everybody. The free lap timing system has revolutionized both my practices and my athlete assessments, allowing me to look at the 10 meter fly capability of dozens of athletes in a matter of seconds. It is wireless, compact, portable, and incredibly versatile. The K-Box and 1080 Sprint are fantastic tools for any coach looking to build speed, agility, and implement training scenarios that go beyond the traditional weight room. The 1080 Sprint is being used by great coaches training some of the fastest sprinters in the world, and it truly represents high-performance speed training. I can personally attest that Simply Faster's customer service is second to none. Christopher at Simply Faster responds quickly to queries, and anyone who makes a purchase from Simply Faster is in good hands. If you want to acquire some of the best high-tech training equipment available, stop by simplyfaster.com. That's simply with an I, faster.com. They are the future of coaching technology. Welcome to the podcast, episode 64. Today, I have Coach Adarian Barr, and I'm your host, Joel Smith. Really excited to get you guys this episode. Uh, I've been working with Coach Barr for about a year now, just learning from him, attending some of his training sessions, and seeing the results that he's getting with his athletes. Uh, for those of you who don't know uh, or haven't been familiar with uh, Coach Barr, uh, known as uh, known on his YouTube channel or some, a lot of the people he's influenced in the track and field community, he's based out of Woodland, California, and has made collegiate track and field stops at places like UW-Superior, Indiana State, and UNC Pembroke. Uh, he's also been active in the writing space on places like Speed Endurance, He's an inventor, having uh, nine devices to his name, uh, anywhere from footwear to sleds to exercise devices. Adarian's also a USA Level 2 coach in the sprints, jumps, hurdles, and relays. He's also even coached distance. He's a guy who's really uh, has a holistic view. He's done it all. And uh, his unique style is something that really stands out to me. I've been uh, in the field now for 12 years. I'm, I'm definitely not uh, a seasoned vet by any means, but I'm not a baby either. And I, I, Darian, he just sees things differently. I haven't met a coach that has the type of insight for human movement and, and to the depth and um, level that that Darian does. And especially when I think in an industry where it can be common to go to various seminars, uh, be it track and field or sports performance, strength and conditioning, whatever it is, a lot of it's uh, just reiterations of, of things that people have already been done and different ways of packaging it perhaps this time with a new insight i mean to be honest that's a lot of my stuff um but adarian it's like this stuff is like uh, almost on a whole another level or it running on a whole different plane in, in a sense a lot of it just having to do with how does our human body move innately like what are the keys to getting the best sprint technique is it telling an athlete something is it telling them to lift their knees higher or is the answer coming from somewhere else in the body is it the spine or the the way the hands are moving the arms are moving uh like what adarian is going to get into today 
So uh, this episode in particular, and I'm really excited after spending the last year with being able to get Adarian on the show today, uh, we're going to go into things like Adarian's background as a coach and athlete, what things that make him different. He's going to talk about his ideas on sprinting and timing in sprinting. So uh, rather than just like giving a cue, uh, understanding like how that cue is going to affect the body's timing and how that works as a whole in speed development. We're going to talk about why a number of common cues, although well-intentioned, certainly don't work and how to better go about looking at that, the problem, so to speak, or quote unquote, in the athletes we're working with, rather than just saying, get your knees up, you know, throw your elbow back to 90 degrees, you know, don't, don't have all these crazy rotations in there. Uh, Darren's going to really break it down. And, and just talk about how to view and coach athletics better. Uh, this episode's a little different. I think it's it's in a good way, and it definitely goes against the flow in a lot of ways. So, you know, there's always some controversy in that, but at the end of the day, it makes us all think. And ultimately, that's, that's just something I really like doing, not only bringing you guys great speakers with great thoughts, but also provoking some insight and some discussion. So really excited again for this episode. Let's get to episode 64 with track and field coach, inventor, and movement specialist, Adarian Barr. All right. Adarian, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here today. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's you know, it's been so good just uh, kind of chatting with you over the last, um, I, I probably, I don't I don't even know when we exactly started talking, probably almost a year ago, but uh, being able to talk about uh, all things sprint-related, performance-related, observe you, uh, coaching in person, it's been a great uh, experience for me, and I'm excited to have you on. So uh, so really, thanks for doing this, and, and could you kind of kick it all off? Uh, people who might not know who you are, uh, your, your videos are pretty popular or have been popular on YouTube, things like that, speed endurance. Uh, but could you tell us a little bit about where you've been, your, your competition experience, your uh, coaching experience, and just give a little bit of a background? Yeah, so um, I've been to track since I was about nine years old. Um, started, started racing, and um, throughout my you know, elementary high school career, um, as I lost an event because I like to win, I went to another event. So I, in the process, I learned how to sprint, hurdle, long jump, triple jump, high jump, so forth and so forth. Uh, when I got to college, I was just mainly a triple jumper, long jumper, um, but I was fast, so I ran on relay teams and things like that. Uh, um, you know, went to the University of Colorado for, for two years and finished up at, at Cal State University, Chico. Chico! <laughs> um, you know, and, and then I actually, and then I got into coaching because I thought I could make a difference. And, and so, you know, I started off at a small NAI school, uh, Bethany College in Lindbergh, Kansas, from there, I went up to, uh, um, you know, University of Wisconsin, Superior, Superior, Wisconsin. And from there, I went to uh, uh, Fredonia State out in Fredonia, New York. And from there, I went to uh, Indiana State in Terre Haute, Indiana, uh, where, where all my places where, I, where I, I started honing my skills and methodologies on what I wanted to do. And learned a lot from a lot of people and everything. But, but like I said, it, it was just, you know, understanding that the system didn't like difference. They wanted everybody to go along to get along, and that wasn't that wasn't me, which is why I'm not in coaching now at a, at a university or anything like that. I just wasn't that guy. So so once I had left Indiana State, I, I started doing my own thing and, and formulating, you know, my methodology, started making equipment, started uh, 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 understanding, you know, what technique really was and, and all those type of things, you know, uh, um, USATF, level two and jumps and sprints and hurdles and all and relays and all that kind of stuff. Level one certified, um, master's degree in kinesiology. 
um, you know, spoken at numerous clinics. So, so kind of a, a whole, you know, breath of, uh, you know, I've pretty much done it in track and field as far as the clinics, as far as the, the seminars and things like that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I mean, definitely uh, always enjoy talking to people who've been an athlete, coach, inventor, have been on, in the private sector, university. It's always great to talk to people who, who have this uh, wide band of experience. So excited to, to keep, uh, excited to get on to the rest of the show with you. And I think you have so many great things to, to share with our audience. So one of the, one of the big questions I kind of have um, for you is, is what, makes, what makes your system different? Before we kind of get into some of the cues, the, the common, I guess, truths and cues we're uh, looking to talk about today, what would you say it is that makes what you do different than what a lot of other people or what everybody else, in a sense, is doing out there for speed building? Well, I, I think one one of the first things I recognize that I try to recognize is technique. What was really was te- what was really technique about? You know, um, I remember Susie Hamilton, Susie Hamilton Favors. You know, every year she would say she's working on her speed work. Every year, Regina Jacobs would kick her butt. Now. Everybody said, well, Gino Jenkins got busted for being on performance enhancing drugs, whatever. But all I know is, Susan Hammond said, every year we say she's working on her speed, and every year she moves at the same point in the race. Something like, how is she working on her speed? But she's no faster, you know? So, so I'm thinking, like, what does she do to work on her speed? And then you ask, if you ask most people what they do to work on their speed, they just run it. There's no technique to it. You know, you go, well, how are you supposed to get fast if you don't improve your technique? And, and, and so I, I think one of the first things I try to do is really understand what is technique. And, and to me, technique has to do with not only what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, but the biggest component is the timing of it. When are you supposed to do whatever I want you to do? You know, if I want you to lift your knee, when do you lift your knee? If I want you to put your knee down, when do you put your knee down? If I want you to swing your hand back, when do you swing your hand back? To me, that becomes the critical part of the technique. Yeah, I, I think one of the best um, maybe things I can think of uh, that are along those lines that I've learned from you is just simply like like the push. Like, and obviously, you know, sprinting is hindbrain, right? Like, you're not gonna be thinking about things while you're actually running. But obviously, in building that technique, uh, the timing of the push, uh, just from what I've learned from you, and then you go and watch sprinters who are really good and see how they time the push, and I'm like, wow, this makes a lot of sense to me. So. Um, and then I guess for pe- readers at home too, that or listeners at home, I shouldn't say readers, but that, that push timing being the waiting till the foot is, is behind the hips, uh, to apply the, for, for it to really apply that force, uh, to the ground. Or, or that would be, that would be what you were saying there with the push, correct? Uh, well, yeah, well, well, even, even push, you know, I, I think, you know, when we get into, when we, when we say push, you know, that's a funny word, <laughs> you know, it's a really funny word. Because to me, it's like, what am I pushing? Because I always had this thing of like, am I pushing the ground? Because the ground is a megaton rock. How can I push the ground? You know? And I understand that physical opposite equal that if I push the ground, but I don't know how hard I'm pushing the ground. So if I don't know how I'm pushing, so to me, it just, it just didn't work like that because I never knew how hard I was pushing the ground. And so you go, okay, you know, so I'm back to a timing issue. And, and yeah, to, to me, like one of the tiny issues that I deal with now is, when, whatever you want to call pushing, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to call it, to me, one of the critical tiny factors is where is your weight at when you decide you want to push? And so what I, for, for a tiny point, I try to teach athletes to have 95% of their weight in front of their foot when they push. So a lot of people say put the foot behind you, yes. 
But I'm trying to make sure that 95% of your weight is in front of their foot when it decides it wants to push. And when I say 95%, that means both arms, the other leg, everybody, nobody's behind that foot. Everybody's in front of that foot. So, so because if, if opposite equals is happening, happening at a half a rate, then that means the ground's going to push me back. So by the time the ground pushes me back, I want to make sure that 95% of my weight is in front of that push. Yeah, as a as a high jumper, I definitely know what it's like to not do that, like to push it, to push the ground up <laughs> to a fault almost. Right. <laughs> that's uh, so, yeah, so yeah, so yeah, so yeah, like, so like I said, and, that, and that's one of the things we talk about when when people say you know a lot of say pay push, 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 but that's a hard word for people to visualize because everybody has a different idea of what push is. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know? yeah, it, may, it, it might mean it's, different it's things. It's a really tough people. word. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it becomes a really tough word, you know? And, 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 and so for me, that's why I was like, well, the ground's supposed to push me back. So, so I, so, so you start working through some things, something like, well, the ground's supposed to push me back. And then you go, okay, well, if the ground's supposed to put, if I push the ground, push me back, then, you know, it becomes that thing. And, and then we start, then I started saying, okay, well, I got into, to the lever, to the leverage system. You know, and, and, and the foot's the fulcrum and all that kind of stuff. And, and so then that it, it started making sense to me to say, well, you know, the same thing's happening. If, if this is a lever, then where do I want the weight at by the time I start pushing on this lever? I want all the weight in front of the, in front of the fulcrum point. You know? Yeah. If, if, I'm, if, I, if I'm trying to push something, I don't want the weight at the top of the handle. That's too hard. You know, I want the weight way out there. So, so, so I started visualizing different, and I think that's that's like even when I watch video. So one of the things that I do is I watch a lot of video, and, and I watch I watch video in backwards. I don't watch I watch a lot of videos backwards because I want to see what happened before that thing. Yeah. And and so and so that starts to tell me about the timing of something. This starts to tell me the timing. When did this happen? When did this happen? When did this happen? So I spend a lot of time watching videos going backwards than I do going forwards. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast, brought to you by Simply Faster. Yeah, uh, real quick, too, with the push, actually, I, I did want to ask this before um, before we kind of get into some of the other technical aspects of sprinting. And a lot of it, too, and the things I appreciate talking to you is you really make me think about everything I've ever been taught about you know running or sprinting and not just taking it at face value just because uh, the powers that be said that this was how you do it. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> but, uh, uh, and it's just, it's just so much fun to watch like the elite athletes, especially ones who, you know, haven't been coached that much and watch how they do it and how they often do it so well, like compared to the people who are you know, so coached up or so say, but, uh, how do you, ma- and how do you, um, it, cause we were talking about this too, but you know, good sprinters tend to get their knees up. Well, not that you can necessarily say, get your knees up. and It's going to magically make them make people good, or it's probably going to do the opposite. Right. But, but um, how do you, cause I know people are out there saying, Oh, you know, the top speed, you have to have good front side mechanics. You have to have good negative foot speed with the foot hitting the ground. And most of the stuff, most of the force is happening early in the, in that phase. Um, but then obviously, yes, you look at the video, probably the back end of the video and you see that angle of push and the really fast guys have it. Uh, so how do you balance what you're saying with the push and getting all your weight in front of you with people saying vertical forces, high knees, foot coming down from above? How do you, how, how do you balance? That's the magic question, right? How do you balance that out? No, no, well, no, that's a good question because, okay, well, well, like I said, one thing I look at is this here. 
for instance, a lot of times we see people draw a, draw a line. They, they call it triple, everybody looking for triple extension. And what I found wrong with triple extension, not that triple extension doesn't happen, but what I found is that the push has happened a long time ago. The push happened well before you got to tri triple extension is the result of the push. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but, a result, a lot of people, but, but a lot of people interpret triple extension as the push. I got you. So, so, see what I'm saying? so, so if you if you if you interpret triple extension as the push, you're well behind. Your your timing is off, well off. Yeah, I think. So, yeah, yeah. So, I was to say, I think for so, straight so, coaches out there too, it's like saying triple extend your cleans and go up super high, but it's like well, that's the result of doing it right, you know, like not like creating that position right. and and just expecting it to do magic. <laughs> right, right, right. So that becomes a thing of, but but what do we see? We see everybody draw that straight line. You know, we're looking for a straight line from, from the ankle through the shoulder. You know, all the way through the, you know, we're looking for these lines. But that, that line is too late in the process. You know, and the other thing, too, is how did you get there? See, we're still, we're still talking about how did you get your straight line. I don't know how you got your straight line. I, let, I see a straight line, and so nobody's telling us how do you get to the straight line. How do you get to triple extension? And, and so, and, and so, it's one of those things that we start talking about. You know, how do we get there? And, and so, we talk about elite athletes. You know, you go to clinics and you listen to the talk coaches, and they tell you stuff. And then you look at the athletes. You go, but your athletes not doing what you just told me to do. Your athlete doesn't look anything like you just described to me. You know, even a good story is is we're at. Uh, I'm I'm taking my USA USATF level. I'm going to USA level two scores school. You know. And we're doing jumps, and Boo is talking and, and, and everything. And he's talking about the penultimate step, and he's showing us videos of, of the penultimate. Funny thing is, every video he showed us, nobody did a penultimate step. And, he's, and, he's, and, he, and now he's looking at the videos going back and forth, back and forth, and he finally admits doing the, doing the thing. Well, none of them athletes did it. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, like, wait a minute, dudes. You were just told us this is important, but everybody you just showed us, nobody did it. <laughs> Yeah, I, and then he admitted that they didn't do it. And nobody raised their hand like, yo, boo, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me, um, I, I think a great example is the that video you sent me, the guy who's like, run on your heels. Like, nobody does that. Like, why would you ever, t I mean, it's just like, it, it, and the guy like the guy who was saying it, though, like, he looked like he like really believed it. And I don't know if he would have admitted, uh, actually admitted that, that these athletes didn't. But, uh, well, I mean, think about, you know, how, and we'll get to this. You know, I'm talking about the, the slap right now, and we'll explain that later at some other point in time. But when I say the slap, go go, go look at Lauren Williams. Remember how she ran? She ran with a slap. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah I'm excited to talk about they, that, too. And they, and, and they kept trying to fix that slap. And that, and that, was, that was the wrong thing to fix on her. It was, it was helping her run fast. Yeah, you know, I mean, I I went one time being at at the I think I was at the it was in Sacramento. Lance Diamond was there. He was talking to some guys, you know, and stuff like that. And he was talking about Lauren Williams when she was running fast, you know, and and he was like, yeah, you know, she's able to stay up on her toes, but we don't know how she's doing it. You know, I'm thinking like, so y'all don't know what y'all doing there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I'm talking about here you are, Tyson Gates coach, but yet here's somebody you watch run and you don't even know how she's doing it. You know, you know, it's something really good, but you don't know how she even got there. Yeah. So you're, what you're kind of saying is, is maybe like people talk about how high the knee gets in good sprinting, but not everyone who's really fast 
will always get it up, get that knee that high. I know, like for on the high school level, I you know, I was doing a podcast before with Chris Corfus. We were talking about the two guys that were one and two or so at the Illinois State Championship, about ten forty, and those guys didn't get their knees very high. They were just kind of like bouncing along the track with good feet and, and those types of things. I'm sure their pushes were amazing. Um, is that kind of what you're uh, getting at there? Well, yeah, we're kind of getting at that everybody has a way to be fast. You know, everybody has a way to be fast. And, and so what current training is is trying to get everybody to be fast the same way. And I think that's where we run into the problems that where, 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 where everybody must get their knee up high. And, and, and so the whole thing about knee height is, is, is different. Even like, the, you know, what we need to look at is, is, is the athlete that's running fast. Let's take a Usain Bolt or let's take whoever, Tyson Gay, let's take whoever, or even a high school kid that runs 11 seconds that beating a high school kid that runs 11.5. You know, one of the things we will notice is this here. The people that run, everybody that runs 11 seconds will tend to run in a similar fashion. Everybody that runs 11.5 will tend to run in a similar fashion. Everybody that runs 10 seconds will tend to run in a similar fashion. So, so there is some, some, some technique to running 10 to 11 and 11.5. Mm-hmm. So what, what we have to do is figure out, okay, you're the 11-5 kid. This is what you're doing. This is what the 10-second guy is doing. Now I don't expect you to run 10 seconds, but I do expect you to get down to 11 seconds if I can, if I can basically take this DNA and teach you their DNA, what they're doing naturally. Yeah. Yeah, like that. And so that's yeah. what we get. And so that's what we get at is 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 this kid may lift his knees naturally. It's in his DNA to run that way. So what can I learn from him, from his what is in his DNA, and teach to the source here? Yeah. Uh, with the knee lift, uh, too. I, so, oh, sorry. Go ahead there. No, I think that's what, you know, like I say, even with knee lift, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, if, if, you know, like I said, we see some people lift their knees and run really fast. Some people don't lift their knees as fast and run really fast. So, so how do we how do we rectify that situation? You know how we how we rectify these two troops? This kid is running fast, high knees. This kid is running just as fast without the high knee. Yeah, it's. So it, what do we yeah. tell everybody? We tell everybody <laughs> run run with high knees. Yeah, you do what? Yeah, everyone does what the one person does. I I, I was thinking too before getting farther. I had a quick question on something you said, and it, it kind of made sense to me. Like the idea that. Uh, you know, 11.5 or 11.0 sprinter is going to run a lot different than a 10.0 sprint or, you know, or a guy that runs, uh, or maybe even, even extrapolate that to team sports and people running differently in the 40 yard dash. But like, do you think like, uh, like those, those kids run 10.40 for in, in the state meet, is it almost like you could run that with lower knees, but you're not going to run 9.8 with that like same front side mechanic? Is that going to limit you eventually at some point? No, I don't think so. I, I don't think that I don't think that was limiting you. You know, the the, the thing we know is this here. We we know, and, and so we know the matchup is stride and stride frequency. That's the matchup. Mm-hmm. The the matchup is not high knee. The matchup is stride and stride frequency. Now, one of the things that we work to improve, you know, is we try to work to improve one or the other both. You know, we try to, you know. So, so, so a kid is, you know, because a kid that runs, you know, say that they're running with the high knees or not so high knees, going to limit him, you know, because we'll take that kid and we we'll get them to do high knees, and then they run slower. 
Oh yeah, you know, they don't run. They 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 run slower. And we and we talk about this all the time. How we get a kid that, that's running a certain time, that's running fast. They go to college or they go someplace else. Or you got a kid that's running in college, that's running really fast. Then goes get him a pro coach, and all of a sudden you're not running as fast. So 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 we get to these different things of you know, like I said, we get to these things of we stuck on certain things. You know, we we. we I think what we one thing we get is we get a good description of what somebody who runs fast should look like, but but we have a visual bias too. So and what we mean by that is they say we always say is we always tend to copy the losers. You know we always tend to copy the losers. For instance, Donovan Bailey beat a whole lot of folks in '96. Nobody mentioned his his rough running style, how he came slow out of the blocks, how he had that off that that off beef running style. It was very just rugged and powerful. No, we don't even talk about Donovan Bailey. Set a world record, too. You know, he was the winner. But we don't copy his style. Ben Johnson was a winner. We copied Carl Lewis' style, you know. Calvin Smith set a world record for Carl Lewis set a world record. We didn't copy Calvin Smith style because we were like, it was ugly. But it was fast. Mm-hmm. You know, so we get into these things of, of, of you know, you were saying Bobby kicking butt for how many years now? But we haven't copied his style yet. We don't like mm-hmm. the toe drag. We don't like this. We picking up part of this stuff. But like, dude, he went nine five eight. These other guys are so called perfect technique. They run in ten seconds. That is that is a good point, and that's one of the things that I've, if if that's one of the main things that I've kind of grabbed from you is look at the best people or or the old school people who ran fast where no one is probably even telling them what to do or all these all these kind of cues that are floating around there is accepted as as optimal and watch what they did and oh man you just get so much out of that it's just and as well as to like understanding the rotational components of movement and how that's so critical um just really fun it's been mind-opening on my end well yeah i think you know because you got to go back just like you know if you go back to you know you have like said you got to go back and you go back to jim hines you know you go back to 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 bob hayes you know remember bob hayes had flat feet and they tried to fix his flat feet until they figured out it helps him with torque, produce torque. They tried to, this the fastest dude in the world at the time, the fastest dude in the world, they tried to fix his flat feet. <laughs> and then they go, oh, it helps him produce torque. That's why he's so fast, because it's flat feet. But, 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 wow. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, wow. it's, it's like uh, people just, I don't know, for some reason people always feel like, like like everyone wants to fix something like you want to feel like you fix something and feel good about about that but it's like the human body is pretty darn good at not needing to be fixed <laughs> in a lot of scenarios right 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 well that's what we call coaching now fixing things i mean i mean even like i'm talking to a volleyball coach you know i'm talking to a volleyball coach and i said hey i got this device these insoles that you can put in your athlete's feet and they'll jump better you don't even have to teach them how to jump anymore because the body will respond accordingly we argued for 20 minutes about how he felt like you had to teach him how to jump. And I'm, and I'm trying to explain to him, say, but wouldn't you rather teach him something else about the game of volleyball? Wouldn't you rather just skill him better in the game of volleyball than try and spend, the, spend your time teaching him how to jump? He thought his coaching responsibility was to teach these guys how to jump. Yeah, apparently probably hasn't watched all the, like, street dunkers who are getting their, like, necks over the rim who haven't had an instruct instruction in their life <laughs> and are doing it. I watch the, I watch those guys. Like I, I, people call me the jump guy, I guess, or some people might, I don't know, but I mean, that's what I do now. I just watch those guys. Like, and no one coach them. I mean, it's like, like, like you kind of watch, I know you watch animals and things like that to learn more 
about their movement and right. no, no one's coaching the no one's coaching birds and no one's coaching the cheetah and <laughs> so. right 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 well i mean that's like my favorite story i tell I, you know one story i tell is like you have this you have this eagle up in a nest and the parents go away they come back and they give the thing some food they go away come back and they give the thing some food they go away come back give, give the thing some food then they go away one day don't even come back so now, what has this bird learned? Nothing, except somebody brings his food. <laughs> All of a sudden, one day, nobody comes back. It learns what? I need to get out of his nest. It learns what? I need to fly. It learns what? Huh, I, need, I know how to catch a fish. Huh, I know the tech angle, when it stretches his claws out. I know all this stuff. Huh, <laughs> it's, a, it's an amazing feat. <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you know? So, so and then one thing they recently, and this is so funny, one the thing they recently found out the term bird brain, you know, is a bad term. But what they really found out is this here. Birds have more neurons packed in their brain than a lot of primates have. So, so more than a lot of mammals. Birds, this dumb creature, has more neurons packed in its brain than a lot of other creatures who are supposed to be smart have. Yeah, that's fascinating. Flying is a complex task. You've got to have a good brain to fly. Mm-hmm. Think about that. The wind, thermal lift, how to draft, how to do this, how to dive, how to land, how to take off. That's kind of, I mean, look at it. We have computers on planes and we still struggle with flying a plane. Oh, yeah. Yeah, subconscious brain is but, so much but, better than what, what but, computers but, can do. Yeah, but, but the bird is a dumb one. That, the channel man, the bird <laughs> is a dumb one. <laughs> <laughs> but, but movement literacy, movement literacy through the roof. Uh, hey, <laughs> <laughs> you're listening to the just fly performance podcast brought to you by simply faster so uh hey so uh can we uh kind of so with the whole knees up thing can we maybe uh i would like to move to a few other uh areas of cueing that people like to seem to um you know harp on their athletes with and and probably yeah. and the athletes like you said the athletes probably forgo just forget it when they you know, if someone said, get your knees up, uh, I, like I've had, a fo- you know, the football players who would come up for track and and uh, people would be saying to me, other coaches would be like, oh, you need to tell that kid to get his knees up. And I'm like, uh, I'm pretty sure he's not going to run very fast if I keep harping on him for doing that, you know, like, or he's just going to say, forget <laughs> it. I'm just going to run in the meet. So uh, you know, basically like kind of what's your, if you were to conclude, if you were to maybe give uh, just like a, a few key pointers for people to kind of think about when before they say, "Hey, get your knees up," or whatever, or 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 just to not say it, I guess. Right. I mean, what what would you what would you conclude that that little cue and idea with? Well, okay, well, well, I'm put out there that I don't like cues. I really don't like cues because I think cues have supplanted instructions, I, and I like instructions. And, and so and so and and and, 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 and the difference is this here. As I get into this story, the difference is this here. You know. I'm going to teach you how to jump high versus cue you to jump high like you're trying to grab a coconut out of a tree. And that's where, I think that's where the problem with cueing is. Jump high like you're trying to grab a coconut out of a tree. I haven't taught you, how to, I haven't given you, I haven't taught you anything. I'm just giving you this cue, you know? Uh, uh, so, so for me, I try to stay away from cueing and actually give instructions. So one instruction that I give for lifting me, because to me, knee lift is based on arm swing. And so the arm that's moving backwards, going to the backside, is responsible for how high that knee is going to rise on the front side. So we're going to show you how to use your arms to make your knees come high. That's what I'm going to do. 
All right. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 all related, right? I mean, if you just said lift your knees and you know what are your what are your arms gonna do? You know what are your arms gonna do? Or you know, and how is it gonna affect everything? It's probably if you right, just said right. that and mess it up. And right. So so we talk about troops. Like like so we don't use these troops enough. You know, one of the troops we know is that we can use the arms control what's going on in the legs. We can use them because one of the troops we have is this: as fast as I move my arms, my legs will move. So why can't I use that same truth to say, I'm going to use this arm to control how my knee come up? Yeah. And now I've got this timing issue. Now, see, now I've got my timing together because the knee's up at the right time because the arm's up at the right time. And they, she said, now, now I can work on my timing. If I lift the knee up at the wrong time and the arm's in the wrong position, it don't matter how you lift them. The timing's off. Yeah. Yeah, it's and that's uh, it throws the body. There's so much more like processing the brain has to do too in that situation. Like, oh, quick, got to put this limb here to balance this yeah, knee, yeah. and then yeah, 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 yeah. So even like one of the things, like in long jump, you know, you know, you know, like like in long jump, I used to teach what everybody taught because I came through the system like everybody, you know, drive that arm up, drive the arm up, drive the arm up, you know, and and so you know, one thing I understand now is that. The arm, once again, that same arm that's responsible for that knee coming up is also going to be responsible for my vertical lift. Because one of the things we talk about in long jump is how do you get vertical without losing the horizontal? I don't lose the horizontal speed, but what do we do? We lose so much horizontal speed because we're trying to put notion, we're trying to plant hard, we're trying to do a lot of things with our legs, and as we do these things with our legs, we lose horizontal speed. We get vertical, but we lose all the horizontal speed. So how do I, once again... How do I maintain horizontal speed and get vertical? My arms now, now we're talking about the bird thing. Now we're talking about a bird, and this is where a cue comes in. Not even a cue, but just a visualization. You ever see a turkey fly? What does it do first? It runs first, and then it flaps its wings and takes off. So it's a perfect example of I need my horizontal, and now I'm going to use these wings to go vertical. But I need that horizontal. You know? So, so to me, it's like, once again, I'm going to instruct you. I'm giving you instructions on how to use your arms to get you vertical so you don't use your horizontal. I don't need a cue. I just give you instructions on how to do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The arms are so, are so critical. And you, you had mentioned before uh, using the arm. When we're talking about getting, getting a better front side action, making sure the arms are correct. Uh, so could we maybe have that be kind of our next, uh, next little area here, like the common things that people – say to do with your arms like oh 90 degrees and and front to back and and, and don't you know oh you know but by all means don't don't rotate your shoulders you know or anything like that or, or i mean don't do internal or external rotation that would be awful uh uh so right 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 yeah so can you talk about yeah how do you use the arm to to, to generate that lift like what how do you use that capability of the arm and maybe just give a few examples of what what some people are messing up or losing the point on in that well, one of, the, one of the things, you know, even so, so, and, and you have to think about this. So two things happening. If that arm can give me vertical lift and jumping, it can give me vertical lift while I'm sprinting. So see what I'm saying? Not only, this arm is responsible for a lot of things now. So so we talk about my stride length. This arm is going to be responsible to help me with that because it's going to give me my vertical and let my legs keep turning over. So so the same arm is going to help me get me vertical and jumping. It's also going to help me run faster. Because it's going to provide for my vertical. So we get to, so we talk about vertical impulse, all this other kind of stuff. It's gonna it's gonna do it because one of one of the things that has to happen is all this stuff has to carry over, and that's how you know when we talk about you know how do I 
get to be a good long jumper and sprinter? Well, if I understand how to create vertical lift in my arms, I can do both of them. If I don't understand how to create vertical lift in my arms, then, it, then I'm probably going to be a good sprinter, but not a good long jumper. So one of the ways we talk about that is there's two, like I said, controlling the, upper, controlling the lower body with the upper body. So like you posted a picture the other day on Instagram or video, and you had the vest on, you were jumping, 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 jumping. And you said this movement is not, close, it's not the same as sprinting. So then I took a screenshot of, of one of you, of, of you almost landing, and I posted it on my Instagram saying, yes, it is close to sprinting than you think. Oh, yeah, so the hip, look at that hip picture angle. I post, yeah, yeah. If you look at the picture I posted, look at your feet. One of your feet is already supinated, ready to pronate, and the other foot's on the ground. So you're about to hit the ground with one foot. The other foot is going to go from supination to pronation, pound the ground, you're going to jump again. That's what we're doing in sprinting. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah there always are similarities for sure. Yeah, no, no, I, I totally yeah. understand what you're saying there. So, 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 so one of the things I, I do for, for answers is people talk about supination pronation, you know, supination, pronation. I'm going to use my hand to control that supination, pronation of the foot. I'm going to use my hand to control what the foot's doing. So one of the things, too, that they talk, and we talk, and I, and I get through this really fast, because one of the things that science is coming out and saying is talking about how, how elite athletes, they, they punch the ground. They really punch the ground. And so people are trying to drive the foot down and back. But I'm going to use my hand to smash, I'm gonna use my hand to pronate, supinate, and impact the ground. So when that thing comes down, my foot's gonna jam the ground down. Now I need my vertical because my leg is supporting me. So at that point in time, I'm gonna do what we call a flap of the wrist. And so all I'm gonna do at that point in time is I'm gonna take my wrist and it's like like we, you know, I'm gonna flap it backwards. And when I flap it backwards, that pushes my arm up and that lifts me off the ground. Yeah, I'll put a video. I'll put a still of that in the show notes too, so people know exactly yeah, what yeah, you're talking yeah, about. Because yeah, yeah. it is really, yeah, yeah. really yeah. important. <laughs> so, so, so again, to know, but but the whole thing about it is that doesn't work if your posture is not set up for that. Hmm. If your posture is not set up for that, it won't work. So, so, and we talk about, and that's one of those things we talk about a lot too. It's one of the truths people talk about. People talk about posture and sprinting, posture and lifting, posture and being an athlete, you know? And, and the, the same, and this we talk about why, you know, sprinting is so fundamentally everything. The same athletic posture I need for sprinting works in basketball, works in football, works in baseball, works in golf. It works across all the spectrums. Yeah, you're talking about the, spi but, the spinal uh, posture, spinal position. Right, right, right. But, but, and, and like you said, it's one of those things where when we talk about that, one of the, the if you, most people look at their posture and they straight up and down. You know, they're straight up and down. And so you go, okay. But now if you look at what we call some of the other guys, like the Barry Bonds or this person or that person, one thing that you see is their chest is really pushed out in front. What I call barrel chest. Their chest is really pushed out in front of them. And then after that, they have this long tailbone behind them. So they have this, they have this, this nice, what we call, what I would call a gorilla stance, like, like the, like a, like a silverback. They have that stance. And, and so if you look at 
you know, like a linebacker or something, they try to get in that stance where they squat it low, chest out in front of them, hips high, and they can mash somebody. That stance works for pretty much every single sport. Basketball, it works for every sport. If you want to be an athlete, that's an athletic stance. But I need that stance just to start sprinting. I need that stance, that posture. And then I can do some of these other things. Other than that, my joints are too loose. And my joints don't have a, you know, people talk about core. You know, one of the things that happen is if you don't have that stance, then there's no structure to the system. And so, so what I'm talking about doesn't work unless you understand how to get that posture in the first place. Gotcha. So if you're like a ramrod back person, uh, and uh, I work with, I do work with a lot of those types of athletes, like athletes who are awesome in the water, swimmers who are great in the water with a straight back, but usually they're, they don't have a lot of glutes, you know, and, and kind of all the things that would come with that if you were a land athlete. So uh, yeah, I'm sure it's like a chain can be a chain of events too. So you're saying if you were, if you didn't have that proper posture, then the flat, that, that flap or rotation of the wrist that happens um, often naturally, I guess it's, it's not going to do you any good right. if you're trying to emulate that and you have a lousy spine. Right, 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 right. And you see, like I said, if you look at a Michael Johnson, Usain Bolt, you look at Bob Hayes, you know, Jim Hines, you look at a lot of elite sprinters, they have that posture. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I asked know? that at a, a, a postural restoration seminar, which the seminar was awesome. I mean, it was really good, but that was something that, got brought up a little controversy was like okay you know i know what you're saying with the ribs down and, and all this stuff but how come these people are really like this when they're running and they're the best uh i mean i get the i get the you know injury prevention and variability of, of the spine and ribs and all that but it still stands to be a good question is is look at that spine of all these and, and elaine thompson too right you you had always you had pointed her out to me uh, compared to some of the other right, 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 right. Some of the other ones, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's even you know, like, like why we, like I said, we have we have the shirt. What we call the, the we call it the shirt now. You know, don't really have a good name for it, but we'll come up with a good name for it. But one of the things it does, and when we talk about these inventions and things, or, or things that I come up with as far as equipment. You know, a lot of people are into compression. You know, me, I, I never understood compression. You know, I read the science on it, all that kind of, but I really never understood it. And and so um, um, because I'm worried about my joints. And I thought compression restricted my joint movement, how the range that I get and the speed that I can move. So I'm trying to figure out that it didn't work for me. But one of the things that because of that, we came out with, with the, what we call the shirt. And one of the things it does is, is, you know, it puts you in that position. And that's when, like I said, that day you were triple jumping, you had it on. All of a sudden your arms, your, your shoulders, your chest, everything just opened up and your hips just opened up because you had that posture all of a sudden. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast, brought to you by Simply Faster. Yeah, yeah, it just, everything felt more fluid, more like spring and, and force to being able to deliver on the ground. And it's, it's reflexive. It's not like you're thinking about it. You don't like think about stomping the ground harder or something. You know, it's all um, like loose and feed forward kind of. It's, it's really, yeah, it was really, really cool feeling there. Uh, yeah, amazing when the posture is in the right place. Right. So, so when your posture was right, it was less for us to, to, to teach you. Things are starting happening. Yeah, the body will figure it out. It's like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> I can work right, well right, now. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I can work. I get what you're trying to do now. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're trying to do now. Okay, let's go. So, and I, and I think that's that's what I try to do more than anything else is I try to set the body up so it understands what you want to do. Yeah. And then we'll do what you want it to do. Yeah. You know, versus setting, not setting the body up and trying to force it to do something that it doesn't understand. 
Yeah. Uh, so question two with the spine, and maybe I've asked this before, and I don't know what the exact answer for this is. Obviously, there's you know dealing with with people's spinal rigidity is is very isn't the easiest thing. I mean, if you're, I mean, I I have athletes who have like back issues and the weight room their spines are crazy rigid, and and uh, it's hard. To, it's not easy to change. So like an athlete who like a sprinter who has a probably like a more rigid type spine. Maybe maybe someone like Tori Bowie is a good example. And and I you know I. I would doubt that she was coached to run with that rigid of a spine, but or someone who's like pretty stiff and has that problem getting there. Is there any like, is there outside of like the shirt, uh, which is, which is, you know, that quick, it's like that highway. Right. Uh, is there any other right. things like people can do in, in looking at that posture and trying to create that posture? Yeah. Stop breathing through their belly. Diagnostic breathing is killing folks. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Good for parasympathetic state. But yeah, I, I learned that in the, in the posture restoration, like you can, too much of a good thing can, can, um, not be the best thing. So, yeah, because of I, cause, cause, cause I mean, think about this. If you set up, if you, once again, just like we talk about the, about the holding the breath and things like that. If you set up in the posture, breathing is automatic now. And the body will hold breath under that tremendous pressure. The body will hold breath and release breath as necessary. But if you sit up in that posture and breathe through the belly, everything relaxes. All the all whatever you were trying to do, the the, the structure, the integrity of the of the structure, which is just gone now because you breathe through your belly. Yeah, it's almost like the so that yeah. So that becomes the thing, and, and, and like I said, that's one of those things that, that people have been taught to do. You know, it, it's like, huh. But if you have that posture, it's, everything's done through your chest. Your chest will expand to let air in and collapse to let air out. It, it's, it's automatically done as needed. But you have, but like I said, so it, to me, it starts, I need this posture. With this posture, so many things we don't even have to teach anymore. It's just going to happen. Yeah, yeah. If, if, that's, if that's good, it's, yeah, it's kind of like the, the linchpin. It's like if that's good, it empowers the brain to figure it out. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, that's, right. it's just such an interesting perspective too. I, I mean, to me, that's, it's, it's just, it's really, really, it, it almost like you, we could start there. We could almost started there before we started talking about knees or arms or anything else. Right, 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 right. Cause yeah, the posture, right knees come up all the, everything just kind of happens. But once again, we didn't like Michael Johnson's posture, you know, mm-hmm. we didn't, we don't like Usain Bolt's posture. We didn't like, you know, so a lot of these postures we've seen, we didn't like it. And like I said, that's what I call a visual bias. We just didn't like it. We didn't like how it looked. Yeah, it's like it's like the body. I don't know. Maybe there's some psycho- psychological study. I'm starting to think this that you know, seeing the way people like to coach, but like there's almost some sort of bias towards right angles or something. Like it should look like in this. You know, it's got to be 45 or it's got to be 90. Right. <laughs> it's right. like right. yeah, or 180 or whatever. Like like uh, God forbid it'd be like you know like like yeah. the shin be at like 17 degrees coming out of the blocks or there'd be some sort of internal and external rotation involved or something like that. Right. Right. Well, well, I mean, think about this here. Uh, and let's talk about another truth. They're talking about, you know, one of, one of the reasons people talk about dorsiflexion the foot, all that, you know, one of the things they talk about, they want to shorten the levers to make it move faster. Right? Mm-hmm. So, 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 okay, let's, let's take that truth. Let's take that truth. That we want to shorten the levers to make them move faster. So, by me taking my wrist, and cocking it or flapping it backwards, I just shorten it because now when I pull it forward, it's a shortened lever. Versus if you run with the 90 degrees with the wrist lock with the fingers pointed, that's a longer lever. 
It takes longer to bring the hand back to the front with with the fingers pointed than if that wrist is flexed and you snatch the fingers. See what, see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. We have these troops. We just won't push them far enough. Yeah. And then uh, even like the high knees too, like that's one of the things that I'd kind of come to learn from you is like when your knee is real high, then your ground contact's going to go up because that knee's got to take time to come down. <laughs> and uh, then your your stance is probably going to be long because it's you got to take time for it to come down. And, and, you know, I started watching all the videos of these club track athletes and I'm like, well, yeah, that's totally right. Like, so yeah, time, ti- timing is, is so, so key. So, so yeah, so we can, so yeah, so like I said, we get into these things where we have these truths and, and we may be applying the truth to the wrong part of the body. Yeah. I, you uh, know, yeah, so, so, yeah, yeah. so instead of trying to shorten levels of the legs, let me shorten the levels of the arms because I know what my arms can control my legs. So if my arm folds up faster, my leg will fold up faster. If I want to get rid of the excess backside swing, then let me do it with my arms. See what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, we can really, we can really, all these are truths, but we just, to me, we just doing it to the wrong end of the body. Yeah, I, I agree. So someone, I think you had mentioned too, like uh, like Christian Coleman, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you point to Christian Coleman as someone who has the, the arms that might resemble the faster timing compared to that, that right. hammer, hammer the elbow back and, and, and all that type of deal. Uh, and I can put that in the show notes too, if it helps direct people and kind of give people an idea of what you're talking about. So, so, well, I mean, one of the things we even talked about was um, Andre DeGroff. You know, he had that one-arm swing going. And the faster that thing swung, the faster. And that's why he, like, he had a great top end because that thing was swinging. That top end, that arm was swinging back and forth. You see him mm-hmm. coming on at the end of a race. And then we watch him next year. We go, that, that arm swing is not the same anymore. You know, and, and we look at his times, and go, his times are not the same either. Hmm. Yeah, that, so, yeah, so, so it's nice. Yeah, so 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 you go, huh? What? And for me, watching, I mean, I said that's one thing I like about now is we have all this video data. So so we see, you know, a guy. You know, one thing about Usain Bolt that we don't have is we don't have a lot of data before 2007 of them. We have 2007 on. We have all of that, but before 2007, we don't have a lot of data, video data to say, huh? This way looked like before. This way looks like afterwards. You know. So, but now we have this data. So when somebody runs faster, we can go back and say, okay, this way looks like when he was running 10 seconds. This way looks like now when he runs 9.5. You know, we can compare and contrast say, okay, I see what the difference is now. This really made a difference. This didn't make a difference. Yeah. I was just doing that um, not too long ago, watching Usain Bolt actually, like his, his head and neck now versus when he was running 9.58 kind of. And, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's just interesting like to see – to, to see the same athlete, but, but before and after and those types of things. So, so yeah, well, I, I, it was funny watching, um, 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 what's her name? Uh, Shelly Ann watching Shelly Ann Frazier run. One of the things about her was I see some of her races where her right foot's up front in the starting block. Some races where the left foot is up in the starting block and she runs the identical time. It's like, <laughs> that's kind of cool. That's most people can't. Most people can't do that. Now, now, does she know? I don't know, but I just know. Like, huh, on this race, that foot's up. On this race, she ran the same time. Huh, so she can't start with either foot forward. Didn't matter to her. You know, they'd call that uh, the, all the 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 what, the terminology people would call that robustness. <laughs> but I don't think you have to know that to 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 know that she can she can she's a good athlete. <laughs> yeah. Now, now I don't even know if they even notice. See what I'm saying? I don't know if, if anybody even noticed that that. 
even if our cousins didn't notice that. I don't, I don't, you know, because I don't think you pay that because we have all this data in front of us, and I don't think we pay attention to it. There's so much video data out there to tell us a lot of stuff. But I don't even because if you see Ashley start to start start start, you just see him start. You go okay, but you go hey, she got the other foot up this time, huh? It ran the same time, huh? Okay. <laughs> so, but that's one of the things I like about now is we can actually go back and say, hey, this is what he was doing before. This was now was it intentional? Who knows? But all I know is we see the change and we see the change in time. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 fascinating stuff, and uh, yeah, you you learn so much. I, I mean. And I, I honestly, as you're even just talking, I, I keep thinking about like, you know, how those of us who learn because we and, and no discredit to the teachers that the, the great teachers of our sport, you know, but I mean, at, at the end of the day, and where, where I've kind of gone to is is through learning from you is just looking at the people who are the best uh, and 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 watching them in like intense detail and watching different, you know, just watching a bunch of different athletes in intense detail and uh, yeah. it reminds me even of what uh, Lee Taft to have had on the show too, speed expert from the Midwest. And he, I think he was like the same thing. Like he is, he just started watching really good athletes, how they innately moved. And, and that's, that's where right, it all right. comes from. Right. Right. Well, I mean, think about this here. Think about the high jump, you know, and, 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 and I, it, it, it cracks me up that, that Dick Flosberry, nobody, I, I never seen him speak out of click on high jumping. The guy that invented the flop <laughs> is not presenting. That doesn't make sense to me. The guy that invented something is not presenting. But we listen to all these other experts on high jump, except the guy that invented the thing. Yeah. Maybe that's crazy. Maybe, uh, maybe no one would be uh, <laughs> lifting their arms up like he did. Just have that jumping with that like. I, that actually would be interesting though. Always kind of because he was one of the few guys who jumped like that with no arm, no real arm lift or anything like that, and. I was just, it, yeah, it would be right. really interesting to hear from him in that regards. And he, and, and he went across the bar with a flat bag, not a, not a great arc to his back and all that kind of But like I said, this guy, and he was a good high jumper. I mean, he was an outstanding high jumper. But but yet, how come he's not speaking at clinics? Why are we, you know, how come we're not calling up, Dave, Dave, can you help me out with this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, 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 I would agree with you there. On, on, uh, yeah, it would be great to hear from him, no doubt. Um, so, well, we covered, so we've covered knees, spine, arms, common things people talk about. Uh, do you want to talk about, and you talked about how the arms drive the feet. So maybe, I don't know if we need to get into this or not, um, but maybe maybe I'll ask you kind of two questions. One, so one, uh, with the feet of a, well, maybe I'll start, let's start with this. <laughs> um, people, common cues in dorsiflexion. So truths, truths, what happens and what should we actually be looking for and, and approaching in, in instruction in how the feet are contacting the ground or setting up to contact the ground? You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast brought to you by Simply Faster. Uh, well, uh, um, well, to me, the, as you go faster, you, you know, one, the body has a natural timing mechanism to it. When, as, you, as you're going slow, the, 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 the rear or the further back on the foot that you land. As you go faster, you're just forward on the foot. But one of the things that times the foot out is, is that rotation. So as the foot goes from, from supination to pronation, you know, it's going at an angle across the foot, which gives us still time, which gives the body time to, to get in position to do whatever needs to be done. Uh, uh, so, so to me, I think it starts with the outside of the foot um, and then rolling across it at an angle, you know, and that's why, you know, one of the things I teach is about joints, and I would say pinky toe down. So I'm working at that joint of the pinky toe. 
if I if I work that joint, then everything else everybody says becomes into play. All of a sudden, the foot is uh, dorsal flex. All of a sudden, the foot does do this, does do this, and does do these things. The next thing you know, it 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 it, it rolls like it's supposed to roll. Um, um, one of the things I always try to tell people is is I see people doing what I call toe raises as they run to try and get that vertical impulse. So they basically do a calf raise, you know, and, and you know, you get the vertical impulse, but you don't get the forward. You don't go forward. You just go up and down. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a high jumper push more than a sprinter yeah. push. Right. So, so to me, you know, one of the things that happen is you got to set the foot up, but once again, you're back to posture. If your posture, if your posture is correct, that foot set up automatically. Well, set it up because the hands are doing what they're supposed to do to set that foot up. Because we don't have enough time to technically think I'm going to, you know, uh, 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 supinate, you know, dorsiflex, okay, <laughs> pronate, okay. We don't have enough time for that. <laughs> yeah, who, did, tell me a person who actually is thinking about all that stuff. <laughs> Even if you're running at, at 50% speed, it's still like, okay, yeah, you know, this is yeah, an awful yeah, lot yeah, yeah. in a very short time frame. And to expect that, that timing to even be close to what would be, you know, appropriate would be, and yeah, as you were saying, timing too. Like, I, I mean, I find myself sometimes I'm just jogging, like, okay, I'm supposed to supinate. I know I'm supposed to supinate more. I see what these great sprinters are doing. And, and it's just like, it feels so unnatural. I'm just like, well, maybe I'm just teaching my body something by this, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, just what you're saying. When everything, when the, when the foundation is set, you know, amazing things will happen. Right, right, right. And you can watch, like I said, watch distance run. Watch you eat distance run. Watch the hands. The hands do these kind of funny small circles. They're doing these small circles. As they're doing the small circles, the foot is following that same circular path. Yeah, it'd be hard to probably find someone whose hands would be out of sync with their feet. That'd be really weird. <laughs> they wouldn't be going. Right, 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 right. So, so if you but if you watch, and to me, a distance runner sprint, we all doing the same thing. It's just a different degrees of it or different ranges of movement. And so, as a distance runner, my ranges are shorter, but it's still got to be fast. As a sprinter. My range increases, but it has to be fast. Yeah, yeah. You know, so so I think the two things, the two commonalities between a distance runner and a sprint is the hands still got to move fast. What changes is the range of motion they go through. Yeah, yeah. Like those marathoners, it's just like a teeny. It's a teeny range. It's it's not not huge, right. but it's still going quick. You can still see their arms kind of going back and forth pretty quick. Uh, maybe I could put that right. one too. That'd be another good show note video. <laughs> Right, right. And you see, one of, you see, see, one of the things you see, too, with a lot of distance runners is you see the elbows are pointed sharply behind them, the chest is out in front of them, and they have that nice athletic posture still. Yeah, I imagine, like, the Kenyans especially. Like, they have that, they have that almost those sprinter-like uh, qualities to them. I'm sure a lot of that is how right. they're built, too. You know, really teeny calves probably makes it easy to have a high heel recovery compared to, like, I guess, the what, the, the Finns or whatever, who historically were the, the competitors back in the day or whatnot. Right, so. right, 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 right. So, yeah, so that's what I think. But, yeah, you know, I'm just, you know like I said, I, I think the foot has to start on the outside, rolls to the inside across at an angle. But I think that's set up once again by if your posture's right, that's going to be set up right, too. Yeah. You know, so so to me it gets – and like I said, one of the things I do, like at the start of a season, I call it reset. I call it a sequence, a firing sequence reset, and I will actually physically work that, manually work that, and I'm going to work up the firing sequence I want my body to go through. So I'm going to work on that. I'm going to work on, you know, am I going to work my, you know, am I going to work my quad next? Am I going to work my groups next? I'm going to work on this sequence. 
I just go through the sequence just to, re, just to reset my brain. I want this sequence here. And then I set myself up and do it. Yeah. Uh, the conscious part is just in, in, in timing and rhythm and repetition. And then you just kind of let it go and you run. And, and you, that stuff should be ingrained is kind of what you're saying. Right. Right. Because you gave the instructions and I said, okay, we can do this. You know, even like, you know, one of the things that, that, that like, for me, like hamstring injuries, and I know we haven't, we haven't talked about injuries, but like hamstrings, it, to me, happen when the hamstrings aren't allowed to, to rotate a spiral. So, so, so you have this, the, the, these things, these muscles, wanna, they want to spiral. If they, it, I think if, you, if they spiral, twist, whatever you want to call it, you would never have a hamstring issue. But as soon as they don't spiral or twist, that's when you have hamstring injury issues. And that spiral or twist is set up by what your arms do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the connection there in the arms and, and hands. Yeah. So so I think that, you know, even like, you know, one of the things I always say is is I want to go from torque to force. I'm not uh, if I can create the torque, then I can then I can apply the force. Yeah, other than the other way around, which is like kind of the max strength mentality. And you have these strong muscles that don't, uh, and, and you never get torque out of them, and then probably limit your you right. put a ceiling on yourself, you know. Right, right, right. So if I can if I can go from if I can if I can create the torque, I can apply the force. Yeah, I love it, man. Uh, well, it's, that's that's great, Darren. I, I'm sorry, I, I'm kind of running out of time for the podcast for today, but uh, oh no, no, no. Like I said, that's a, that's a lot of stuff, man. Like I said, we we could talk for a long time, but but I think that covers, you know, like I said, one of the things that you know, like I said, one of the things I like to do is watch video backwards, I, and I watch, 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 see what came first, you know. Uh, uh, one of the other things I deal with is timing. You know, when did this happen? When is this supposed to happen? You know, so so and, and like I said. I don't argue with what people say anymore, you know, is, you know, I just go, everything's true to me. So how can I make this true, true, instead of trying to make the truth false? And I, and I think that's what we, we, too many times we're into, you know, how to, how to make something false. Well, no, if it's true, let's make it true. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, well, yeah, so many great things to think of. Yeah, I was saying a lot to unpack too from even, you know, the however long we recorded. So I think good, uh, good, just a good, um, a good bit. And, and thanks for um, kind of uh, giving a little summary there at the end. And, and it, it, just even how many, fa- or despite how many times we've talked, I definitely even was able to put together a few more things uh, during during that little session with you. So thanks for that. Thanks for your time. Uh, and I appreciate it. All right, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in today. Appreciate you guys spending time listening to this podcast. And I've just been so excited to bring uh, you all such amazing speakers with just such an amazing breadth of knowledge. I can't tell you how much I've grown since I've started doing this thing as a coach myself. Uh, So if you've been enjoying what we're doing, please uh, hit the subscribe button on iTunes. Leave us a rating or review. We totally appreciate it. And we're just trying to get our message out to more athletes, coaches, and trying to... uh, just get people more information and to think in a new way about what they're doing. And uh, that joy of coaching is just finding that way, solving that problem. And we, we really are happy to be, I'm happy to be a part of that. Uh, don't forget to visit our sponsor, simplyfaster.com, suppliers of high-end training technology, KBOX, 
uh, Gym Aware free lap timing system, which is just an amazing piece of equipment. If you don't have it, um, it is just something that can really change your sprint and speed practices. Uh, no doubt, just a great great blog, and also for you U.S. customers, a lot of this stuff is you're going to get it cheaper than going from the direct sellers just because of shipping. So definitely something to look at. Consider that uh, simplyfaster.com. We'll see you guys again next week with Mike Boyle of uh, Boyle Strength and Conditioning. Really excited for that episode, and again, just uh, so blessed on mine to have these these great speakers, contributors, and guests. So we'll see you guys then. Have a wonderful week. <music>